0: Welcome to the Seeds Church Podcast. Be sure to follow and subscribe to us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube and on our Apple and Spotify podcasts. We hope you enjoy this inspiring message from our Sunday service. There are a few days during this year that I thought Christmas felt like seven to ten years away. In June and July it was like every week was worth three or four did you have that feeling as well? Is it just, just me? You, you're with me there too. It goes without saying it's been a really tough year. I'm really glad it's Christmas. Not just for the usual good things, as good as they are. I mean, of course, smoked ham is good, isn't it? <laughs> oh, yeah. Plum pudding is excellent. I've got a friend in the congregation. I, I love to get, I mean, I love to give presents They're all fantastic things, all all worthwhile waiting for for that one day of the year. But the the retelling of the story of Christmas is the high point for me. A pregnant Mary carrying the child, an attentive Joseph doing the best that he can under extreme circumstances, shocked and bewildered shepherds looking for the saviour of the world weary travellers searching from afar looking for this, this king of the Jews and then all of a sudden the world goes silent at the cry of a baby I wonder if tonight we need to go silent at the cry of the newborn baby the King of all kings, the Saviour of the whole world. I think we do. I think we need to recapture the beauty of what we celebrate, the the holiness of what we are retelling the story of, even at this moment. I think we need to be like children tonight and, and experience again almost firsthand the mystery of the Christ child. So I want to read this story to you again tonight and I've kept it back for myself to read. If you want to close your eyes, then, then do so. I'm reading from Luke chapter 2, verses 1 to 7. In those days, the Bible says, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. So this was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria and everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and to the line of David. David. Lord, we thank you for this incredible story. May it speak to us tonight anew. May we enter into that stable. May we fall on our knees in front of the manger. And may we worship you in a new way, we pray. Amen. The story that we've just heard from Luke's gospel contains a remarkable number of similarities to the year in which we have just had. I'm not talking about a pandemic or a worldwide shutdown, but what I mean is that there are a lot of unexpected, unexpected things taking place in both stories. And so tonight I want to name three unexpected things and then one thing that is secure as a rock, that is safe as an anchor in a storm, that is secure both then when it was uttered and now, as we sit here tonight. So don't worry, I'm not going to be super long. We'll all get home to to put all the presents together. I always thought that the words which gave me the greatest anxiety at Christmas Eve, particularly after this service, were printed on the bottom of the box in very small print and they say something like, some assembly required. I hope for your sake that you are spared the trauma of that. In the first sentence of Luke chapter 2, we hear something like a worldwide disruption. And this event, which was in those days well before social media, was certainly surprising to all those who heard it and whom it applied to. So here is my first point. Unexpected disruption. Verse 1 tells us that Caesar Augustus, who was sort of like... D. Trump, sort of the, the boss of the whole world, issued a decree. A decree that is, is a decree is like a law that everyone had to obey. A, a decree that the entire Roman world needed to be counted. So can you imagine all the government workers groaning at all the amount of work that they were up for? And thinking, my goodness me, doesn't he know it's Christmas Eve? <laughs> if that was. There's a few coming, so just watch out for them, okay? If that was not bad enough, verse 3 tells us of the impact. In other words, this is what it means for you. It says, and everyone went to their own towns to be counted. No large teams of contract tracers here. You had to personally go to your own town and scan your QR code. You had to do it yourself. So can you imagine the disruption for the entire Roman world? You can imagine how many people had to uproot and to travel across the country. Can you imagine what that would have been like for a pregnant woman having to travel from the north of the country to the south? Well before any transport was invented. Like you, I know of many people who have had their lives disrupted this year. So many have had their plans that have been pulled apart and taken away. So many have had to contemplate and deal with things that were not even on their radar this time last year. Everything's changed. Then there are those who have lost their jobs, lost other aspects of employment, lost opportunities, not to forget those who have lost loved ones, those who have lost their lives. So much unexpected disruption. You know exactly what I'm talking about. Then, of course, there are the unexpected events. My second point, unexpected events. Mary, who was heavily pregnant, goes into labor shortly after they arrive at their destination, Bethlehem. I'm sure she wasn't anticipating this, nor were they thinking they would, have to be, they would be unable to find a place to stay. I mean, who would have thought a heavily pregnant woman would be refused entry to a place of safety? That's taking social distancing to a whole new level, isn't it? But there are more unexpected events. This young couple end up staying in an animal shelter. In those days, it was quite common to use a cave to house your animals, a place to corral the animals. Wet, damp, badly ventilated cave. Think about it. If there had been animals in there recently or up until that point, it would have stunk. Not to mention, there is, notice that though, there is no mention of midwives, of doctors, of sterile equipment, epidurals, clean beds, or hot water. And by the looks, there's, even, there's not even anybody able to help them. They're on their own. Instead of a beautiful crib, handmade by Joseph the carpenter, they have to use the feed bin, probably still complete with animal slobber and with strips of cloth most likely torn from their clothes to ensure their newborn baby is warm and snug and protected. The Bible says Mary does this herself, just after giving birth. I'd like to say, well, that just about takes the cake, doesn't it? Except if you read on in Luke's narrative, you'll see that there's a group of shepherds, probably very smelly and stinky from days, weeks or months out in the paddocks, that have been tipped off by some angels that there's a king being born. And they turn up wanting to see the baby. Obviously, no signs at the front saying how many people could be allowed into the stable. Then, sometime after they leave, some strangers from a strange land, probably speaking a strange tongue, bring expensive gifts. And finally, Joseph is warned in a dream to get up in the middle of the night and go out and save the life of the child to leave. There were a lot of things taking place that were unexpected. Some of us have had to do unexpected things this year as well. I don't know about you, but I've never used so much hand sanitizer in my entire life. It's pulling the skin off my hands. I never thought you'd have to book in to attend a worship service. Who would have thought that you'd not be able to fly where you want to go? Or get in the car and visit relatives in another part of the country? Who would have thought that whole capital cities would be under curfew in our land? That happens in other places, doesn't it? Not here. If I would have told you that you could only have two people in your home other than your family, you'd have thought I was silly. Or that you'd have to restrict people to your wedding. And you'd have to say no to those who wanted to come to a funeral of their loved one, you'd have called me strange. You see, to see whole nations struggling with infections, hospitals overrun, medical staff on the point of breakdown, morgues overflowing, nursing homes empty was not expected at all at the start of this year. We have so many unexpected events and I'm sure you could name a whole pile more. Thirdly, we have unexpected outcomes. Of course, for Mary and Joseph, this whole series of events was unexpected and led them to be the parents of the Son of God, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. And the outcomes for them become apparent years into the future. The unexpected outcomes for this year have been wide and varied. I've heard some people have had a great year. Some people have had years filled with less activity and manic running around. Good for them. But many others, though, have had complications that are piled on top of difficulties. Job losses, like I've said, relational losses, family separated, opportunities gone, investments decimated, health deteriorated. Some things are never coming back. Of course, we're yet to see the full impact of what this year has done. We're going to see the outcomes of this work their way out over the next decade of soul. That's what I'm assuming, and I'm assuming it's not all over. And it just goes to show that life is far more unpredictable than what we have ever imagined. That the winds of change blow over us from different directions and use different strengths at different times. Unexpected life events have now become the norm. Change is expected and disruption is here to stay. So how are you going with this new world we find ourselves in? Which actually is the way that things often are. It's just that we've been protected quite a bit from it. How are you going with it? I suspect there's more unexpected to come. Many years ago, in a, great, a man in a great turmoil from a personal grief found his anchor point not in the circumstances around him, but in his faith in Jesus. His life was turned upside down by a series of unexpected events that could have very easily brought him undone. But it didn't because he found a higher place to put his trust and to base his hope upon. And this is where I am going tonight. I, I want to take you away from the struggles of life, and I want to move you now into the hope that we have, a place of hope. And I'm naming a whole point of stuff that, that can make us feel overwhelmed and, and suffocated even. but that's not the end of the story. It never was, and it never will be. We have hope. To be frank with you, all of us need hope. Hope is not a a wishy-washy, wondering, hoping, pleading that will all turn out. Hope, according to the Bible, is a rock-solid, anchor-dependent, storm-weathering, everlasting security. The Bible's definition of hope is that you can depend upon it with your life. And according to the Bible, hope is found in a person. And tonight we wait in eager anticipation for the celebration of that child's birthday. You know, Mary and Joseph had hope. That's what got them through. In a moment, our team will sing a song that the man I talked about a few moments ago wrote when he, when he found hope in Jesus. And even through that storm of his life, he could say that it was well with him, that his soul was Okay. And some of you might recognize this song. I hope it ministers to you. Not that he was denying what had taken place, but that he had a faith in something more, something that was secure and surpasses even the events of the moment we find ourselves in. My friends, we all need that. We all need a hope that lifts our eyes and is on a, and is a stable platform for us to stand upon. We need a hope that catches us when we fall, secures us when the storms of life rock us to our core, but that provides for us when we are depleted or exhausted or wrung out, like our world is at this very moment. We all need. Something dependable. A hope that is truly trustworthy. My friends, hope is found in Jesus. Hope has a name, as we sung about just a moment ago, a face and offers us a stable relationship that is absolutely everything. On that first Christmas Eve, what the world heard when that baby cried was the first strains of hope. And it's been echoing ever since. I wonder if you can hear it. In a moment, I'm going to say a prayer. And a band is going to come and sing for us. And before they do, I I want to ask you a couple of questions. And they go like this. Do you have a secure hope that will hold you through the storms of your life? Do you know which way to turn when your world unravels? When the world keeps throwing things at you over and over again? Do you know Jesus who is hope in the flesh, who holds his hand out to you in a free gift of grace? So here's the truest thing that I will ever say in the last sentence of this sermon. Hope in Jesus as offered to you tonight always was and always will be the best Christmas present you could ever open. Let me pray. Jesus, we thank you for the hope that you offer us. We thank you for the way in which you entered into our world in such vulnerability, in a way that was accessible to everybody. And you continue to do that. You continue to enter into our world. Even now, thousands of years later, and you speak words of hope to us. And you say, come take my hand. I will guide you through this world. And I'll lead you to a place of peace, a place of security, and a place of safety. We thank you, Jesus. May we take your hand. Amen. Well, thanks for listening to the Seeds Church podcast. We hope you join in with us next week. For more information, you can visit our website at seedschurch.org.